asking you to be a scientist or give a scientific opinion or anything, but just curious to know what the vibe is. Is there any hope that the Blue Jays are going to play in Canada sometime this year? First of all, thank you for not asking me to do anything scientific because You're that's welcome. why I became a sports journalist to avoid <laughs> all that. I mean, geez, ew. Um, I think there is a chance as long as the vaccine rollout keeps going, um, there is going to be a point where they're going to consider opening up the borders. And once the borders are open, that's going to be the big thing that allows the Blue Jays to play in Canada again without that quarantine. But it is going to be predicated on people actually taking the vaccine, not listening to the freaking idiots who are like, it's just going to kill Like, mm. there, there, I'm enough of a scientist to know that those people are freaking morons. How about that? <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, baseline scientific knowledge should just involve, you know, reading and basic skills comprehension at this point. I'm more of a scientist than Jenny McCarthy. <laughs> I, I would venture to guess, hopefully in Canada, among the people who do not do the reading and certainly do not have basic skills comprehension, you're not electing them to parliament the way we are here? No, no, even even Alberta's like, no, we, we <laughs> do want people with a level of competency, not just, you know. I, I totally I, get that. I, I can't, I can't use the words I want to for the particular person I'm thinking of because that will get this podcast R-rated and we don't need that. Uh, I mean, it, it, it has a, an E just as a base level rating. So if you feel the need, by all means, let it go. And honestly, the worst part is there are so many names that have popped into my head that could be who you're talking about in this particular moment that, um, that sums it up better than anything else right there. Spin the wheel, baby, yeah. spin the wheel. Yeah. Uh, and when, so let's, let's assume that the smart people win out and at some point the border opens up like in say late July, August, is there going to be a civic celebration when the Blue Jays return? Is it going to be that big of a deal or are they going to wait for the Leafs? <laughs> well, they do have the Leafs right now. I mean, the <laughs> Leafs are playing in the, in the Canadian division. So they're, they're, they're going, hmm. um, I, I don't know if it'd be a huge celebration, but I think the second that, you know, fans are allowed into the stadium again, we will see a bit of a rush of people actually wanting to get in there and just being able to tolerate the concrete jungle <laughs> that is the Rogers Center <laughs> and, and seeing it in a new light and, and maybe even being willing to buy a $13 can of cider. But... <laughs> um, It'll probably be a little bit for me to get there just because I am a thousand miles away. Right. So but to know they're at least in the same country is, I hope, some kind of comfort for even Nova Scotians at this point. <laughs> it, well, we're down to like 11 active cases. So that's our big comfort right now. <laughs> we're not we're not messing around like all y'all. So. Yeah. I, I think this I asked the same question last time we talked, but can I move there? <laughs> <laughs> You can try. The housing market's pretty wonky. It's like GameStop stock right now. It's just all over the... This is going to be such a friggin' dated episode of the podcast with all these references I'm throwing out. It's but. a time capsule, and most of my references end in 1987. So you're lucky I haven't thrown a Men Without Hats reference in, for God's sake. Oh, God. I think mine goes back to Simple Plan. That's it. Nice. Nice. Uh, 
Yeah, I, I mentioned that because there was I was listening to a podcast uh, that Ian Happ and several a couple of his Cubs minor league teammates do called The Compound. And they had uh, the new Cubs broadcaster, Boog Shambi, on this week. And there was a moment where Ian Happ said, you know, because you're the new play-by-play -play guy, that means you will get to be the broadcaster calling the first game when fans are back in Wrigley Field. And there was just like a little moment, like I even I felt it listening to it, where you got the chills just imagining what that's going to be like. And, you know, the Cubs have done fuck all to just give this podcast its E rating right off the bat, <laughs> off-season to excite anybody. And yet, the second that Lori Lightfoot says, yeah, Wrigley's opened up and I do have the vaccine, make sure I have the vaccine. Uh, yeah, it's a 10 minute L ride for me. I am there as much as I can for the summer because like there, I, I missed all of last year. It feels like that there's like a, almost a deficiency in my blood at this point. Like I haven't been to Wrigley since September, 2019. That, that feels wrong. That is the last time I was at the Rogers Center, coincidentally. And I I think that's that's a mood for a lot of people. Like there are so many people who like I wanted to be able to see last year and travel to see and didn't get the chance to. And once I finally get to do that, it's going to be such a love fest. It's going to make Marjorie Taylor Green puke. <laughs> and that should be the goal of any decent human being on this planet at this point. Exactly. If, if we can't get her to resign, get her to puke often enough where she's incapacitated. And honestly, if she throws up, that's better than anything else that comes out of her mouth at this point. Oh, it would be the least offensive thing to come out of her mouth. Yeah, yeah. That would be the closest she's come to being human at this point. So, yeah, <laughs> on that note, let's, let's kick this... Let's kick this bitch off. Why not? Uh, this is the Three Strikes Are Out podcast, part of the Outsports Podcast Network, the Outsports Baseball Podcast, episode number 60, the Dallas Keuchel episode of Three Strikes You're Out. My name is Ken Schultz, contributing writer to Outsports Baseball Prospectus and stand-up comedian in waiting for that delightful vaccine. The other voice you are hearing on this particular episode is friend of the pod and host of the Locked on Jays podcast, AJ Andrews is back to join us. AJ, thank you for being here again. Thank you for having me. And like I said, I've I've had a lot of this built up that not really appropriate for my audience, but now that I'm here, I will slag off as many GOP <laughs> members as I can in the allotted time. Is your name Elsa? Because you can just let it go. <laughs> How about that? How's that uh, for a professional segue? Mm. And reference, not dated. You, mm. that, that's a that's a twofer right there. Excellent. Uh, so let's start off and feel free to slag off on any GOP name that comes to mind as we discuss any of this. And we will be picking a big one in the latter half of the podcast. But working our way up to it from kind of Blue Jays optimism at this point, I'm just going to start before we go into the specifics. Are the Blue Jays at the point now where one of the best times for anybody who's a fan of any sport is that moment when you realize the past couple of years worth of planning are starting to come together and then they add a couple pieces that put them over the top and open up the contention window for the next several years. Are the Jays there at this point? Yes. Sweet. <laughs> Short and simple. Um, I think we all felt it last year when they overcame the start that they had. And like a lot of people were just like, oh, like going into last season, we still didn't have a lot of expectations. A lot of people were just like, all right, it's just going to be another bad season. But with the expanded playoffs, being able to sneak in there and even getting wrecked the way we did against Tampa Bay. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
was enough of an experience for those young guys that that you know they've had winning experiences they won the double a championship in new hampshire so it's not like it's a foreign concept but finding out what they need to do to win at the top level is a big thing that this front office wanted to do is get some experience in there and not to tilt the hand a little bit it's why they went after some of the guys they did this off season and yeah, they're at the point where they know where they need to augment. That was a big thing about 2020, finding out who's going to be a contributor and where they need to augment. And watching a guy like Teoscar Hernandez step up and be a silver slugger and get MVP votes, that that took a huge load off what Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro had to do in the offseason, allowed them to hyper-focus a little bit on specific targets. Yes, and uh, the fact that you bring up Teoscar Fernandez first among all the great young players they have is pretty telling because he was not one of the hyped prospects going into last year. I mean, it was the, all the sons of former big leaguers, the, the Kevin Biggios, the Vladitos, and the Bo Bichettes. And then Teoscar suddenly emerges, and all of a sudden, you've got the makings of a deep middle of the lineup. And now that we've added George Springer, like that's at least a deep solid one through five or six right now. Is that, yeah. uh, is that a lineup deep enough to compete with the Yankees? I'll start with that. <laughs> um, you know, a couple nights ago, I tried to do an exercise of building a Blue Jays lineup. And um, after going through it multiple times, I reached the same conclusion that um, another Blue Jays pundit on social media, Andrew Stoughton did, that you can't build this lineup wrong. Mm. there's so many bats there and like you know I did mention Teoscar first ahead of Kevin Biggio and Bo Bichette and Vladdy because we knew those guys were going to be important we knew those guys were going to progress we knew what Kevin can bring know what Bo can do we know Vladdy's got better than he showed so we better be showing that this year mm -hmm. but those weren't the guys we were worried about we needed Lourdes Gurriel to step up we needed Teoscar Hernandez to separate and give us a reason to cast Derek Fisher into the sun like <laughs> Jim Jordan. But um, being, being able to have that tangibly in place meant that, like I said, they were able to focus. And, and George Springer was a target from day one. Hmm. Like they were hyper-focused to the point where they busted out their usual trump card, which is that extra year. This is the longest free agent contract the Blue Jays have ever signed anyone to. They usually topped out at five years. They topped out on Russell Martin, on BJ Ryan, AJ Burnett. They don't go six. So throwing that out on the table when the Mets were coming $30 million short, that was their, that was how hyper-focused they were on getting a guy with a ring tainted as it may be a guy with a ring, a guy with postseason success, a guy who slots in at the, in the top third of that lineup and just consistently produces, even without, you know, Home Depot-related implements. <laughs> Getting him in there. And then Marcus Simeon as well. I, I'll admit, I didn't think Marcus Simeon was a target because I wasn't aware if he would be willing to switch positions. And he is. He's he's played second and third. He hasn't done it since he was with the White Sox, I don't think. But he was willing to do that. They gave him the extra $2 million that they were going to give Michael Brantley and got him in there. And now if he 
you know, continues to trend the way he did at the end of the season, you know, when he was scorching the Astros in the playoffs. This is a lineup that now is not going to shy away from the moment. It's not just going to be Danny Jansen hitting solo home runs. It's going to be so deep that there is no relief. And I don't think even the Yankees can say that anymore. Mm. Like, like just the way they've aged a little bit. I, I think it's the deepest lineup in the American League East now. And if, if they, on the days when they start Alejandro Kirk instead of Danny Jansen, there's no easy out. Mm. And that's, that's a beautiful thing after watching years of like Ryan Goins and Darwin Barney and I love Darwin. Rajay Davis. Yeah. I know. Don't I love, love him Davis. too. <laughs> uh, I know. Yeah. And uh, on the subject of dated musical references, I cannot hear the phrase line up so deep without immediately hearing put her ass to sleep. It's my curse <laughs> at the point, but you know, got to throw it out there. All right. I'm not going to yeah. stop you. It's your podcast. Yeah, that's it's uh, I can't retract it now. It is it is <laughs> like the trash can that George Springer is bringing to Roger Center. It, it's... Hey, 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 hey. We've got a man in white for that. We, we <laughs> actually pay people. We don't get we don't outsource jobs to freaking Rona. All right. <laughs> Gosh. And and that's that is an actual home home improvement chain in Canada. Don't don't hmm. think I'm referencing something else. <laughs> is it Man in White is a home improvement chain? That's, that's... no. Um, Rona is the Rona. home improvement oh, geez, chain. Man, Man in White was uh, was an accusation that Red Sox and Yankees fans like to levy because there was a guy in white who sat in like center field. He oh, was geez. very easily yeah. spotable. Yeah. Amidst all the blue out there. Yeah, I, I've not heard of Rona as, as a Canadian. Uh, I, I know Pizza Pizza, uh, mostly from a Moxie Pruvis lyric. Mm. And, oh, geez, there's one other, but that's escaping me at this moment. But yeah, that's... that's that R- is, Rona's, Rona's like a more narrow Canadian tire. Hmm, okay. So and, there you go. Getting, yeah. getting super Canuck up in here. I, I learned something about culture every time I have you on the podcast, which is, which is awesome. Um, Look, if you're going to move here eventually, you're going to have to learn where you need <laughs> to go for things. So I figure I, I either need to learn about uh, the hardware chain or learn French. So I think uh, hard- but, eh. I, I don't know French. Uh, Zutalor. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Derailing it at this point. Uh, let's go back <laughs> to the subject of Simeon to get it on track for a second here. Simeon, uh, his career lines are interesting because according to baseball reference and their ops plus stat, he's only had one year where he's even been above average with the bats. And that was very above average, like MVP level in 2019. Uh, last year, as you mentioned, and it's, it's a very small sample in 2020. So that skews almost every stat line we have from it. But last year he was close. He got it up to, I think 99 again at the end. And then as you say, went off in the playoffs, one of the few A's to actually put up a fight against those Astros. Do you, I, I'm not, asking do you expect mvp level production because that 2019 is very much the outlier but do you expect at least league average bat from him going forward yeah and um craig edwards at fan Graphs did a great piece on him heading into free agency where that you know he topped all free agents in war over the past three seasons and was younger than um george springer and dj lemayhew who was in who were also in that top five and um, when you look at those numbers even deeper from last year, 
Um, he actually did hit at his 2019 rate in the latter three quarters of the season. Hmm. He actually had a 133 weighted run creation and was worth two wins as opposed to the start of the season when he had a 24 weighted <laughs> runs creation. So yeah, very much garbage, very much Munenori Kawasaki levels of production Ooh. at the plate. I'm trying to get as many references as I can in here, but. You got my heart um, with that one. Oh man. <laughs> 2016 world champion, Munenori Kawasaki. And we do thank you for that. Yeah, it was, he was a delight. <laughs> He's, he's awesome. He's, he's what makes baseball fun. Yeah. Um, but um, in looking at those kind of numbers, it makes sense to use Semien as a bridge for both the Blue Jays, who have a couple of guys in the system who are looking pretty good and might be ready next year, um, Austin Martin and Jordan Groshans. But it also makes sense for Semien as well, because now he can use this opportunity in a loaded lineup to build his value back and maybe get a, a larger contract. It's going to be tougher with some of the names available. I know like Trevor Story. Um, I know Francisco Lindor is off the table now, but uh, Javi Baez is going to be a free agent. It, it gives them the opportunity to rebuild value heading into that and maybe parlay it into a longer deal. But for now, it's a perfect marriage between the two sides. And... A one-year contract for a team that is absolutely in go-for-it mode and one of six in baseball that's in go-for-it mode at this point. Uh, and, and yeah, as you say, it's, it can't hurt you long-term. There's Take a shot that there's a little bit of that 2019 season left in them. Absolutely. Uh, to go back to Springer for a second, in terms of lineup construction, and uh, obviously lineup construction, as every baseball wonk on Twitter will yell at you, is overrated, but nonetheless is still a thing. Is George Springer being signed to take over the leadoff spot from Biggio, or is he being signed more for the power that he's bringing? Mm, see, that's that's the thing. Uh, going back to what Stoughton said, it's really hard to build this lineup wrong. Yeah. Like, personally, I would use Springer in the three spot. I would put uh, Kevin Biggio and Bo Bichette one, two. I'd rely on Biggio's eye to get him on base so those Springer home runs that he hits because he has like 30 40 home run power um that he makes those those extra base hits into RBI hits and those solo home runs into two run shots three run shots because people who have listened to me on the podcast know how frustrated I've been over the years watching all like the Blue Jays be at the top of the league in home runs but continuously losing games because they're all solo shots because nobody can get on base to save their life and having a guy like Springer in the lineup who's so consistently good at, at working pitchers and getting on base should al allow for not only him to have those opportunities if Calvin Bichio is doing that ahead of him but for guys like, like Teoscar Hernandez to turn those into two run home runs Lourdes Guriel Vladi, if he can hit, like the opportunity to actually put the hurt on a team instead of just going for chip shots that don't matter in the end, the the opportunity to build a big inning and really take an opposing side out of the game is is so much more a reality now with Springer and Simeon in the lineup replacing um, Randall Gritchuk and um, 
well, take your pick. It was Joe Panic last year. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> and those are the signings the Cubs are probably looking at this offseason, unfortunately. <laughs> Sigh. And enjoy Joe Panic. Yeah, yeah. That, uh, He's a well, good guy. We're, we're busy getting excited about Cole Franklin today from the Twins. So there we go. <laughs> that, that, that's our world right now. I was about to say, the most I've heard from the Cubs this offseason is from a friend of mine who's a Cubs fan and who was complaining that they might trade Kyle Hendricks for pennies on the dollar. Yeah. Oh, that would be, yeah, that is when we saw that he was being talked about in discussions along with Chris Bryant to the Blue Jays, as was the rumor. Like, that was what really set me off. Like, I've gotten used to the KB rumors at this point, and unfortunately, so is he, I think. But the idea, Kyle Hendricks is also, like, the only player of any real value uh, that they managed to sign and extend to a long-term deal. He's on a really solid, like, four more years contract at this point and is my favorite pitcher maybe of all time, and not exaggerate. Like, watching him is one of the joys of my baseball fandom. And the idea that they would somehow decide they have to sell him off to is, is galling. Like it would be an utter benefit to the Blue Jays that uh, like, oh, yeah. like him and Hunjin Ryu would be a very, very interesting watch back to back. But man, that, that would, that would rip my heart out. Honestly, if I got rid of him. Uh, do you, are, is, are there still rumors about Bryant circulating with the Jays at this point? Not anymore. I think the I think the signing of Semyon puts that to bed because um, no matter how you look at constructing that lineup, whether you have having Biggio at third and Semyon at second, or Semyon at second and Biggio at third, because they're they're not putting Laddie at third as much as he wants. <laughs> Sorry, not happening. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't think they need any more from that perspective. I like they're actually looking to trade an outfielder, I believe, and. You know, they'd love to be able to move on from Randall Gritchuk's contract, which what a what an off season for Randall Gritchuk. He starts <laughs> it by saying, like, the Blue Jays should sign Trevor Bauer. And it's like, <laughs> okay, we're gonna sign your replacement instead <laughs> to a six-year contract. Good luck. Yeah, we have some moves planned. Uh you might not like him as much as you think. <laughs> Gritchuk, is that for two more years at this point? Three, I think. Wow. But I mean, they, the Blue Jays do have the financial capital to be able to eat some money just to move him, which I think they will eventually have to do or, or package him with a prospect or something. But um, I'm sorry, you can't be going around liking Aubrey Huff tweets and get my sympathy. No. So. Yeah. God. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's probably his old best fans in baseball, St. Louis origins coming into play right there. Just, mm. you know, I'm around Cardinal fans. You end up like Aubrey Huff. <laughs> yes. And uh, uh, on that note, and what better transition from Aubrey Huff into the topic of this year's Hall of Fame election? Uh, I'm feeling the schadenfreude right now. And I don't like to be the guy that roots against someone making the Hall of Fame. But when it comes down to it, if you're going to have the biggest returning name or the biggest returning name on the ballot be the biggest transphobe on the ballot. Yeah. I'm rooting for nobody. I'm rooting for a shutout and we got it this year. Uh, Kurt Schilling got humiliated. It was delightful to watch. And um, were you hoping for anybody under him to like, make it like pass him along the way to like really just make it It hurt even more. It would have been hilarious. I would have, I would have loved it. Um, Sadly, no one, 
really had the momentum to pick up the torch. I mean, I'm I'm happy to see Scott Rowland get the momentum he has. He's about 50% now, I think. So yeah. at least he's got the momentum to get in there because the, like we did have Rowland on the Blue Jays for a little bit and he was decent and he got us Edwin. So can't, can't be too hmm. angry at him. But um, he was a pleasure to watch defensively. Like he, he was that level of good. So, you know, to see all the players um, mentioned and and for the case of like an Omar Vizquel built on his defense and like none of that to go to Scott Rowland, it was stupid. So I'm glad to see that Rowland's at least passed Vizquel. And similarly, um, given Larry Walker finally got in last year, rightfully so, it's nice to see Todd Helton get that bump as well because like, you know, my NL team for the longest time was the Rockies because of Walker. Mm-hmm. And that tra- that transferred on to Helton when Walker, you know, moved on to uh, St. Louis. But, um, you know, it, it's nice to see that, you know, old perceived stereotypes in baseball of like, oh, if you're in Colorado, your numbers are inflated. It's nice to see those start to fall by the wayside as people appreciate the skill set that other players had. So that that's what I took away from the Hall of Fame on ballot this year. I'm happy to see guys who um, in the past may have been very unfairly overlooked. Like you can draw the comps from Todd Helton to Carlos Delgado very easily. And Delgado got shuttered off the ballot in his first year. And, you know, I think writers now are looking at, at these players a little more deeply. And, and you know, I'm happy that Tory Hunter is still on the ballot. I'm happy that Tim Hudson's still on the ballot. I'm happy Mark Burley's still on the ballot because I think Burley's, you know, he could build up a Bert Bly 11 case of just kind of slowly building as people realize, you know, how rare what he was in this day and age is like a guy who who knew you were going to get seven innings out of every time. So if you want to be an optimist, those are the happy things to take away from this year's hall of fame ballot. On the other hand, Kurt Schilling is a garbage piece of, of human excrement (laughs) who does not deserve any freaking praise whatsoever. (laughs) You couldn't even manage a freaking video game company with the government (laughs) of Rhode Island bailing you out. I'm not even sure that was blood on your sock. (laughs) Like, Like, just no, absolutely no sympathy for a man who managed to fill himself with such hatred. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I would love to just banish him back to Alaska for all his crimes, but that would be too cruel to the people of Alaska to yeah. have to take him back. And too close to British Columbia, for God's sake. So True. I don't want to do that to your brethren up there. <laughs> True. Schilling, it, it, on the subject of the bloody sock, that re- reminds me, uh, I went to the Hall of Fame in 2005 for Ryan Sandberg's induction, and Wade Boggs was also uh, the other member of his class. And so that was the year, of course, after the Red Sox won it all in 2004. And they had the bloody sock on display in the World Series exhibit. And I remember every Red Sox fan that came through, the first thing they saw was that. And they gravitated toward it. Like it was the Ark of the Covenant. And it could also make your face melt, I think, now, as we walk that far out a little bit. It, it definitely exposes you as a Nazi. Let's say that. <laughs> Pretty perfect spot on there, inadvertently, yes. Um, but I remember... and. As an illustration of just how far 
that man has fallen, like from the symbol of one of the most famous teams of all time and someone who people would line up to see that thing. And it gross as it was, it was the symbol of that effort. And now you look at it and it's just because he is such a horrific person and he's been so exposed in so many ways, nobody wants anything to do with him other than 71% of baseball writers for some reason. Oh my God. It's, it's, that astounds me too, that, you know, they, they've obviously at this point have come to like an agreement among themselves that Barry Bonds and Clemens can only hop out at 61%. And I'm not a huge Clemens or Bonds supporter by any means, yeah. but somehow being that hateful, that transphobic, and now that supporting of American sedition can get you within four percentage points of induction. Like, I, how does that work necessarily? I don't know. And I, I even, I read something on CNN before uh, doing this podcast um, about trying to separate politics from, from playing careers. I'm like, that's not something you can do anymore. No. Like, like yeah. no one should be expected to stick to sports because media has become so intertwined that it's, it's impossible to borrow a Ralph Wiggum word, <laughs> freaking impossible Love it. to untangle the, those things from each other. So now personality is an aspect. The character clause of Major League Baseball's Hall of Fame is important. And you can you can see all all these all these people like, well, if you're not having racists in the Hall of Fame, you better kick Ty Cobb out. I'm like, yeah, I do that. <laughs> Yeah, like it's a pretty, it. pretty, pretty big failure of the character clause. Yeah, like but, but even if even if you're not like even I know the Hall of Fame doesn't want to kick members out. So supposing that just as a given, just because Ty Cobb and Tom Yawkey and Kennesaw Mountain Landis and Cap Anson as the Cubs contribution to this conversation, <laughs> unfortunately, uh, are in the Hall of Fame, that is no reason to say let's just add another known bigot because 2021 is different from 1939 when several of those guys were going in at the same time. And which should reflect the fact that we know and we care about different things now. And hopefully, presumably that a lot of the electorate is progressing in our knowledge of what's important at this point. Mm. Um, and and it's, it's really interesting that a lot of people before just seemed to care about, you know, the character clause is like, what did you do in the game? And and yeah. as if that did not matter any for anything else. I mean, even by that logic, Ty Cobb kept black players out of Major League Baseball for years. Mm-hmm. Kennesaw Mountain Land has kept black players out of Major League Baseball for years. That is detrimental to the game. Yeah. That would be a reason to keep those men out and to to try and use their inclusion to support a guy who should know better by now in this day and age who should be so like the fact that he cannot accept what he did in his career and hold that well enough the fact that he felt he had to turn himself against the world because that that's the culture he wanted to be to be freaking Lance Berkman on steroids which Lance Berkman was already on steroids so (laughs) congratulations for that How can, how can you be that fat and on steroids at the same time? Jesus Christ. I don't know. I that's, don't know. Not to body shame, but that's that's what he was. It's, but uh, but like, yeah. Um, and the thing that, that 
about his self-righteousness that, that strikes me is, is especially in, in the wake of this recent snub, the whole take me off the ballot thing that, that, that he's portraying himself as a martyr at this point to God knows what cause. First of all, the idea that, that he's trying to promote that this is some political thing against him, that this is a reaction against conservative politics, this isn't politics. This is, this is basic human decency toward marginalized communities. And for another thing, but this is the National Baseball Hall of Fame, you know, the home of such commie hippie pinkos like Ted Williams and Bob Feller, for God's sake. So mm. fuck out of here with that. Yeah. And the take me off the ballot thing, what really galls me about that, too, is that that was something that Marvin Miller, back when he was alive, when he realized that his Veterans Committee candidacy was only so they put his name out there just so all the management stoolies on the Veterans Committee could deny him while he was still alive and then put him in while he was dead. And Marvin Miller realized it and said, okay, I'm not playing this game anymore. That's, that's what Kurt Schilling is trying to echo like, with, and justify his quote unquote cause and, and, and his image on the Hall of Fame ballot. And the idea that Kurt Schilling would try to insert himself in the same sentence as Marvin Miller is sickening to me because Marvin Miller is one of the most transcendent figures in baseball history and Kurt Schilling is a piece of garbage shit. person. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I try. I tried to time it so we did it in stereo, but <laughs> um, but yeah, like like, and it's just so. It's it's right out of the playbook of the super conservative of the alt right yeah. to make themselves the victim because they don't know how to play any other way because they feel they are owed so much by this world and to see it not come to them for their own piece of garbage reasons that they caused and they cannot accept that they caused it is is just the entire movement in a nutshell the entire existence in a nutshell thinking that you know you because because you are who you are you are owed this mm -hmm. and you are owed nothing yeah. especially not when your actions expose you for the monster that you are yeah this is the highest honor in baseball and by definition you are not owed the highest honor in baseball this is something you earn and it's mostly earned on the field, but it's also earned by who you are as a person now. And I think that that's an improvement. I mean, call me crazy. Uh, but yeah, speaking of, uh, do you have anything to plug while you're still here, AJ? How about <laughs> um, that? No transition. <laughs> it's all right. I, I don't transition anyway. I, I think I'm done with <laughs> Not that. Not at all, no. Um, but yeah, uh, if you uh, if you like hearing me rant about things, if you want more pumping the Blue Jays tires, because that's pretty much what I'm going to be doing for most of the off season remaining, uh, check me out at Locked On Blue Jays. You can find that everywhere you find podcasts because we're we're that popular. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at a underscore j underscore Andrews. The underscores are there because Twitter is dumb, but. <laughs> but it's all we have to make sense of this crazy mixed up world that we're still in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Twitter is dumb because it creates people like Kurt Schilling. But AJ Andrews, you are there to balance it. And I think that means the forces of good are going to win. It's been a pleasure having you on. Thanks for having me, Ken, anytime. <laughs>